Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Message. Today is part one of our new series entitled The Ghost by Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. The Ghost, he descends like a dove. He baptizes with fire. He comforts, he guides, he corrects. He is the spirit of life. He is that sense of truth. He is the voice of God. And when you're alone, lost and afraid, he will carry you home. Over and over, the Bible mentions the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is mentioned over 800 times in Scripture. The Spirit of God is mentioned exactly in the second verse of the entire Bible. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The word translated as spirit in the Old Testament is a word ruach. It literally means the wind or a breath, but not a normal breath. It means a violent exhalation or a blast of breath. You see, the Holy Spirit comes with power. In the New Testament, the Greek word translated as spirit is the word pneuma. Pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. It means a wind, a current of air, a blast, once again, a blast of breath. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would actually descend upon people, and then it would often depart. You can read it very carefully that the Spirit of God was with Saul, and then it would leave Saul. The same was said of David. When David sinned against God with Bathsheba, he cried out to God in Psalms 51, Please don't take your spirit from me. The same with Samson. He laid his head in Delilah's lap, and she asked him where his strength was. Of course, it was in his hair. And the Bible said that he would get up, and the Spirit of God would overwhelm him, and he would break out of any ropes, anything that she put on him, and then he would go back into that. The Spirit would depart. In the New Testament, though, once Jesus left, he sent us his Holy Spirit. And for those who are believers in Christ here today, the Holy Spirit will never ever leave us. It will never, ever forsake us. That's a good news story today. Amen. In the New Testament, you can see the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus like as a dove. You can see the Holy Ghost falling on the people of God at Pentecost, empowering them to speak in other tongues and do all sorts of miraculous works. You see the Holy Spirit empowering people with spiritual gifts that they cause them to live supernatural lives in a real world. The Holy Spirit giving people the fruit of the Spirit like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness goodness and gentleness and faithfulness. Yeah, and self-control. So many people live a spirit-less life when God really wants you to live a spirit-filled and a spirit-powered life. Amen. John chapter 14 and chapter 16 will be a lot of our, 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 our preaching around today. We're starting a series today called The Ghost. We're starting a series called The Ghost. And as we look at the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, when I was a kid, I grew up in spirit-filled churches. And whenever I saw people under the influence of the Holy Ghost as a child, many times I would find myself under the bench, the front row, because I didn't want something to jump on me. And I really mean that when I was a little boy. We all understand that our Heavenly Father exists, and that makes sense. I have a dad. He's gone, but I have a father. We also understand the Son of God, Jesus Christ. I've seen pictures of Jesus, some blonde-haired, some blue-eyed. 
Jesus is. They missed it there. But I've got a beautiful one in my office. You ever want to see it? Then there's this Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And that just seems really weird to some. They can't understand it. They don't know what that is about. In fact, many of you here today have heard about Holy Ghost churches and thought the people in those churches must be really weird. They were off the, there's off their rocker, you know, and you can have an opinion. You have a right to have an opinion, but your opinion don't always have to be right. You understand that? They would be people that would be just flat out dancing, just flat out dancing. Anybody ever been to service like that? Just flat out, everybody in the house just going crazy with their hair and their tambourines everywhere and people speaking in foreign languages. And as a kid, I was taught to accept this by faith. I really was. I was raised in that kind of church. And some things I saw as a kid let me know if this is the Holy Ghost and it seemed very, very much like it probably was. Let me just say, I saw some strange things when I was a kid. I really did. A lot of people have possibly had similar experiences in your life and maybe you have been scared by some kind of because a lot of people, let me just throw this in, a lot of people take what the Holy Ghost does and then they add flesh to it. And when you add flesh to it, it becomes scary. There's nothing scary about what God does by His Spirit. You understand that? Nothing scary about it. All right. And so in my opinion, we've had people that have had pendulum swings when it comes to the Holy Spirit. In all sorts of ministries, there would be some where the pendulum swung and took what I call an overemphasis of the Holy Spirit. And in other places, there would be what I would call a gross underemphasis of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's a lot of churches that call themselves Spirit-filled churches today that never absolutely call the Holy Spirit to the table. The overemphasis people, everything is, are you ready for this now? I'm not making fun. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. And when something happens, you know, like a Bible falling off or something or a kid falling down, that's the devil. We rebuke that devil in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, get at demons, get out of here, and everything's about the Holy Ghost. And we can't do anything but talk about the Holy Ghost, and we're just Holy Ghost crazy. But what is probably far more common problem is an underemphasis of the Holy Ghost. We got people going too far. We all grasp the Father of creation. Say amen to that. We all grasp the son of redemption. And then there's this other being, the one we don't talk about, the kind of like a weird cousin Eddie. And Clark don't like him. And somebody brings up at family meals. It's like, I know there's a Holy Spirit, but when you think about the Holy Ghost, it's usually for those weird people over there, and it's not about us. Those other, those other, there's a cross in our spirit. The overemphasis group versus the underemphasis group. So in this first lesson, I really want to build a foundation that you can stand on to let you know that we can grow an understanding about the Spirit of God. Amen. Would you clap your hands and say, preach to us, Pastor. So in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I will ask the Father, listen real good, and he will give you another counselor to be with you, not for a little while, he will be with you forever. Amen. Verse 17. Who is this counselor? It's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, the Holy Spirit, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. Oh, somebody clap your hands and say, I want that all over me. I want some of that. The counselor, the comfort, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Don't say it's chasing me. Don't say that. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as him. 
It's very literally God in spirit form. You accept the Father of creation. You accept the Son of redemption. You better understand there is a Holy Ghost alive and well on planet Earth, and it's still baptizing people, and it's still touching people, and it still works wonders. Amen. Now, I feel like preaching. Anybody feel like listening? The Scripture says you can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God in spirit form has emotions. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away and send the Spirit to be within you. He calls him a counselor, which comes from the Greek word parakletos, or the root word is the word paraclete. It comes from two words, para, which means alongside of, and kletos, which is kaleo, which we've studied to mean called. So the Holy Spirit is a called spirit to go beside us to work alongside of us. It's kind of like an intercessor. It's some, that's something that intercedes and prays for you. The Holy Spirit is your advocate before God. He's your comforter, your helper, your, helper, your friend. So when I think about the choice between Jesus in the flesh or the Holy Spirit, my first thought is I'm going to take Jesus with me. All right? The disciples, you know, you know they must have felt like icons. They must have felt big because when they walked with the man, there was nothing could touch him because the man would take over. I mean, in one day, he cast out devils. In one day, he calmed the sea. In one day, he raised the dead. You with me? In one day, he fed 5,000. That's just one day. I mean, this man could do anything. So if you got Jesus beside you in physical form, how cool would that be? Think about it. You got a headache. Hey, Jesus, my head hurts. Poof, your head doesn't hurt anymore. Boom, he just heals you. That's pretty neat. Your dog gets run over by a car and is killed. you like, Jesus, Fido's dead. And Jesus says, Fido live. Well, maybe you don't like dogs. Your cat gets run over by a car and Jesus on the spot can do a funeral right there. You don't like dogs? I don't like cats. <laughs> Bury the cat. Do a funeral, Jesus. Just joking. Okay, let's just say that I have a bag of Cheetos and a half of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you've got all these people to feed. And Jesus looks at what you have and he says, be blessed. And you've got all the Cheetos and all the PB&Js for everybody. Because Jesus in the flesh is great. But there is something better than this. It's an amazing promise. And he says in John 16, it's actually best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the counselor will not come. And if I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. What he's saying is, there's something better. There's something better. There's something better. There's something better. Than what you have with me in the flesh with you all in your life. Amen. God's presence is amazing. It's amazing. So what does the Holy Ghost do? Well, you operate in the gifts of the Spirit by the Holy Ghost. The fruit of the Spirit are there because of the Holy Ghost. And when you look today at Christians around the world, what you so often see is believers in Jesus. Believers but who look and act no different from the rest of the world. They're still bound in prison to do sins as other people. 
You see Christians whose prayer lives are basically flat. You see people who are afraid and struggling, gripped by fear and worried and anxious. And we believe in Jesus, yet our lives have no real power. Why is that? Because so many people today are living what I call spiritless lives. God wants his kids to live a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, spirit-led, spirit-equipped life of victory. You believe that? God says, I want to give you life and that more abundantly. So there's two reasons I think I believe that is the problem here. Number one, some people aren't even aware of the Holy Spirit. And I know that there's a lot of people that come to this church and wonder what, what all that feel is and what all that, and it's not just emotion, but what, I, what do I feel when the band's playing? What do I feel, hopefully, when the pastor's preaching? What do I feel when the word's coming forth? Many of you said, I've heard about the Holy Ghost, but I don't really know what he does. And so, so in Acts 19, Paul, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and these were believers in Jesus. And he asked them, watch this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you get the Holy Ghost? When you? Obviously, these people were not at Pentecost when the Spirit came. They were baptized by John Baptist, if you read on. And when he asked them, they replied, no, we haven't even heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. We heard about Jesus. We know about John Baptist. But who is the Holy Spirit? And many people in this house are in a similar place. We've heard about him, but that's about it. Who is he? I don't understand anything about him. There's a, whole lot of, there's a whole lot of people that need to understand. There's a whole world of power out there. There's a whole world of greatness out there. That maybe, you're maybe on the same plane, but you're not riding in the right department. I remember I'd traveled for years, but I'd never purchased a first-class ticket. It just wasn't my style. Then one day, someone told me out of the blue, if I had enough points, I could bump up one day to first class. I'd sat on planes of all kinds, meeting all kinds of people. One day, I sat between two men who weighed around 750 pounds between them. Let me, let me, let me say maybe 800 between them. They were massive. They looked like sumo wrestlers without the sumo. I had the middle seat on a two-hour flight, good old Southwest. I got my peanuts. I got my peanuts. I just couldn't get them to my mouth. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I learned this later in life. There's two types of people. There's me, the common type, that always got on the big planes and turned right. And you go to the back of the plane where the cheap seats are. I did it all my life. Then there are those people who for years have been turning left. And there's this little curtain, a little drape that they pull. I remember as a young man wondering what was on the other side of the curtain. I used to try to peek under it, peek around it. I had a flight attendant get on me one day. She said, sir, don't be messing with that curtain. But as they turned left, they would go to this little upper class area. And then they pulled the curtain to keep us common folks out. And for years, I sat in the cheap seats. Back there like this, scrunched up. There was someone right in front of me, someone on the right, someone on the left. And for hours, you're on this plane. And then one day, Patty and I, listen to me, were invited to a conference in Manila, 17 hours away from where we were. And somebody paid our way. And we got to go first class. So I used that ticket to walk and turn left when I got on the big plane. And something happened to me. Because someone else paid the fare, I got to go to the other side of the curtain. I have to tell you, it's not bad up there. It's really not. 
Back there, they're not as nice to you. Up here, they call you sir. Back there, they say shut up and get back to your seat. Up here, honest to goodness, some of you, you've never done this. They have seats, folks, that recline all the way to bed. You can lay out and stretch out on them and go sound asleep on long trips. They bring you drinks in a glass like real glass, not plastic. You can have anything you want anytime. They bring it to you. In the cheap seats, they give you pretzels in a little bag. But up in the expensive seat, they give you warm pretzels. Microwave pretzels, microwave cashews, warm almonds, warm pistachios, warm pecans. My whole life, I never wanted warm pretzels. I never wanted warm pistachios, cashews, pecans. I never thought about it. I promise you, I never thought about microwaving that kind of food. Now I do it all the time. Because my microwave can give me first class pretzels and all that stuff. I feel a little awkward right now. <laughs> Whoever thought of that, all right. They give you warm washcloths too so you can towel off your forehead. On the other side of the drapes, on overseas flights one time, I got little booties for my feet. Honest to goodness, little booties. So that I would be comfortable while I was lying down in my bed and my feet wouldn't get cold. And that's pretty sweet. You get off and they got these little lounges. I never knew that. I used to walk by them. I said, I wonder what's behind that door. And I would walk right by those lounges and they have been there forever and I never knew it. They give you free haircuts there. They give you 10-minute shoulder massages there some of the time. I'm not lying. On the other side of the curtain, there's a life I knew nothing of. Now, hear me. I was always on the same plane as them. It wasn't the fact that I wasn't on the same plane, but I just wasn't riding in the right compartment. And so one day, somebody paid a fare for me. Somebody said, I'll pay your way. I want to bring you here the way I want to bring you here. And I got to go beyond the curtain. And I got to get up there in the front row. I got to get up there in the front seat. I'm telling you, I like living here. I like living here. If I'm going to be on the plane, I want to be in the plane where God wants me on that plane. Somebody help me preach right now. I'm preaching. You know that. So now because of points, I'm getting bumped up to first class every time I can. In fact, two years ago, I took my whole family. I had saved up points for umpteen years, and I had 800,000 of them. I took my whole family overseas beyond the drapes because it cost me $5 for the tax of the ticket. It's just better living. I'm on the same plane, but I like the seat a whole lot better where the Lord's paid for me to sit. Christians all over the world are going through life without this power, life without this victory, life without this strength. Believer, there's a spiritual power from God in heaven that's greater than you could ever imagine because the very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is available to every believer today. And if you didn't know that till now, I'm just glad I could share that with you today. I'm not trying to preach that people in the, up there are better citizens. No, no, no. But somebody paid the ticket. Somebody paid a fare so you could have a spirit that was greater than anything this world could put down in your life. That's why the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Would somebody help me preach this morning? Would somebody help me preach? 
So some may be unaware, but there's some people who are simply resisting the Holy Spirit. Say resisting. There's a lot in that group. The Holy Spirit has prompted you, if you're a believer, led you to do some things, and you have said, I don't want to do that. Some people go about and are about to do something there is no right, that they know is not right, and the Holy Spirit convicts them and said, don't do that. It's the wrong thing. But you say, I want to do that. So you push the Holy Spirit away. Sometimes the Holy Ghost prompts you to do something good, give something to bless someone else, and you push that away and say, I don't want to do that. Resisting the Holy Ghost for so long will harden your heart, and it will grieve the Spirit of God. Can I say something? And I know it's in lessons on down the road. But the only unpardonable sin, the Bible said, is not, not speaking against his name. It's not talking against Jesus Christ. He said it's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now, you hear me. I want to tell you something. Even if you don't receive it today, if you don't want it in your life, if you don't want it to be a part of your kingdom, if you don't want it to be a part of your daily walk, don't ever criticize what God does by his Holy Spirit. Amen? It's an awesome thing to have the Spirit of God operative in your life. Come on. Clap your hands for that right now. Stephen, being stoned, spoke to the Sanhedrin one day in Acts chapter 7. He said, you stiff-necked people. With uncircumcised hearts and ears, you just like your fathers, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Some of you may say, well, I'm not sure the Holy Spirit really prompts me or moves me or speaks to me. It could be that you have resisted it so long that your heart has become hardened. Now, I've learned, folks, through failure, it's not good to resist the Holy Spirit. It's really not. I've told this story many times in this church, and I will tell it again today. God spoke to me one morning in the shower when I was a 27-year-old man to go witness to a billionaire in Fort Worth, Texas named T. Cullen Davis. And I resisted because I said, God, I'm too young and he's too mature and I can't handle that. I can't do that. And God spoke to me the next morning and said, go talk to that man. He's ready for me. He's ready for the gospel. You go win him. Your dad works for him. There's a, there's a spirit-filled maid that he has in his house. He is married to a spirit-filled woman. He needs you to come today. And I resisted again. And the next morning, so help me God, the next morning, the front page of the Dallas Morning News said, T. Cullen Davis, T. Cullen Davis comes to Christ in his own living room. James Robinson brought him to the Lord. Here's what I'm telling you. God spoke to me just like he spoke to James. But I think he talked to me first and wanted me to go, but I said no. And I've learned through failures that when God's nudging you, it's time to start moving in the direction that God wants you to move in. Are you with me today? Are you with me? Amen. Pastor, how do you know if the Holy Spirit's prompting you in your own thoughts? Well, because we're all selfish in nature. Okay, listen to me. If there's something benefiting me, that's probably me, my own thoughts. That's probably not the Holy Ghost. But if there's something that benefits others and it might bring glory to God, I just make an assumption that it is the Holy Ghost. If I'm being convicted not to do something that I really know is wrong, I assume that's the Holy Ghost. If I'm being led to do something that is going to be a blessing to others, I just assume that that's the Holy Ghost. And if it's not, and I do something good, then the worst thing that happened was I did something good. Amen? Usually it's a blessing to others. I can assume that the Holy Spirit's ministering to me. Five days before the death of my brother, my brother took his life in 1992, but five days before he did. I felt an urge, and I picked up the phone and called him. And I know now it was a call of the Holy Spirit. God had urged me to call my brother. I just had a sense he was in trouble, and I was calling him to let him know that I was praying for him in his future. Hardest thing to do, though, folks, is to call a brother 
that does not honor the same God that you honor. His God was money. My God is God. But I was compelled to call. And on that morning, he told me only five days before he took his life, he had suicidal thoughts. I prayed for him. He felt better. And I told him that I would call again in a few days to check on his mental progress. That, my friends, is what I call the power of the Holy Ghost. God was trying to reach out to my only brother. That's not something that I can manufacture. It's not something that I can conjure up. It's something beyond human. That's the Spirit of God. Many people feel the Holy Spirit tells us no, and we say, oh, I want to do that. The Holy Spirit prompts you to do something. You say, I don't want to do that, and you resist the Holy Ghost. Well, you can actually grieve the Holy Spirit, and your heart can become hardened. Hear me. I don't care what you think about what I'm preaching today. It don't matter. But what I'm telling you is don't listen to me if you don't want to. But don't you ever turn a hard heart toward the Holy Spirit bidding in your heart. Amen. Then you've got a bigger problem than a bald-headed preacher trying to help you on Sunday morning. You've got to take that up with Jesus Christ. I'm telling you there's nothing greater. There's nothing more powerful. There's nothing more glorious. There's nothing more awesome. There's nothing greater in all the world than to walk in the Spirit with Almighty God and be filled with His glory in your life. Nothing, 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 nothing greater. Nothing greater. I'm not far from finishing. I don't preach long. I just hope it's decent. This is funny. You know, resisting God is a little bit like my wife, Patty. When we first got married, when we first got married, she evidently thought I was cute or something. She wanted to kiss me all the time and hug me. She wanted to make out all the time. I'm sorry. I didn't look like this. And I would resist her for a few days, but then have to give in to her, you know, and minister to her needs and such. I'm just, it's just something I do because I'm a good husband. She was sitting over there this morning and she said, oh, for a laptop in my lap. I said, I could have I put something on the screen. That's not the last word. Talk to me. She said, I'd have put that on the screen on you this morning, baby. I'm just teasing, okay? She wasn't that kind of woman. Kind of. <laughs> oh, God. But imagine, if you would, that if she always made those moves toward me and I constantly resisted her, what would happen in our marriage? Here's what I want to tell you. God Almighty wants to get up close and personal with every one of you. He wants to make out with you. He wants to love on you. He wants to wrap you up in his arms. He wants his power to embrace you. Come on. You can't resist that. Quit pushing away from that. Why don't you just go ahead and move up to the front row? Come on. Just move up in your life and say, God, I want it. Come on. I want it. I'm not going to resist you. I'm not going to push you away. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to receive it. Can you clap your hands? I'm going to get a hold of this because this is an awesome thing. You're trying to touch my life. So I close today with these three little thoughts. 
three little folks. Randy's on the ball today. Hang on just a minute, brother. Three things the Spirit will minister to us. Number one, everybody say the Holy Spirit will comfort you. Wow, wow, wow. John 14 said, and I will pray the Father. And he'll give you another comforter. And he may abide with you forever. He'll give you a paraclete. He'll come alongside. He'll strengthen you. That's the presence of God, folks. That's the Holy Spirit. Some people are going through things right now in this auditorium. And if you will, you can sense him. Because he's here, you'll sense his presence. It does not matter what you're hurting with. There's something that you can cause to, be, to sense his comfort and presence. He can comfort you with a peace that passes all human understanding. We had one of our good men just the other day lose his job. And he's an older man, and he's a great, great guy. As clean as they come, as good as they get. He loves God. He goes to this church. He's never, he's always here. And he lost his job the other day. And he called me on Thursday, and we talked, and I prayed with him. And we didn't cry that day. We said everything's going to be all right. It's going to be fine. God's in control. But Friday, he called me again. He said, Pastor, I got I to gotta tell you something. Please call me. And so when I got a break, I called him back, and I said, what, what's, what's up, brother? And he said, hey, Pastor. Last night, last night, that's Thursday night when he lost his job. He said, Pastor, last night I was laying in bed and said, I was kind of asleep and kind of awake. He said, you know, you're kind of in those trances and said, I think I had a vision, Pastor, dream, vision, whatever. And he said, I had my hands just like this. He said, I was holding a broken vase, a broken vessel. And said, the Lord walked up to me. He said, the Lord came to me, Pastor, and said, follow me. Come on, come with me. And said, as I went, Pastor, as I went, that broken vase was replaced by a beautiful brand new vase. And God said, you will never miss a day of life because I'm going to be with you the rest of your life. And I got to crying. I got to crying. Because I remember when I went through my tragedy in 1981, I was... I couldn't sleep, you know, I just couldn't sleep. I just couldn't, I couldn't rest. I couldn't get any rest. I was fitful. My daughter was in the other room, six years old, crying out, where's mom? Where's, 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 where's Justin? Where are they at? And we couldn't, we, you know, there's just no, there's no rest. And I finally, I cried out to God. I said, God, I need a little help down here. I got that kid next door, and it's, and Lord, I need as much help as she needs, and I need some comfort. And it was almost 5 o'clock. And I was laying there in a presence. So help me. If you don't believe this, that's all right. I'll stand before him and I'm going to thank him face to face one of these days for this. But a presence walked into my room. And it's almost like he said, you know, the Bible said he'll make up your bed in the time of your affliction. But it's almost like like he said to me, he said this, he said, you just go ahead and go to sleep now. I'm going to be right here. I don't know what I was fearful of. Maybe I was fearful that something was going to happen to that little girl. Maybe I was fearful that if I went to sleep, I wouldn't wake up. You know, this thing hits you like it does. And he said, just go to sleep. I'll be here in the morning. And he said, I'll be here tomorrow night. And I'll be here the next night. And I'll be here the next night. And from that night forward, I have slept like a baby. I lay down in two minutes, I'm gone. You know why? Because I've got a comfort. I've got a comfort called the Holy Ghost. Somebody help me preach right now. You know what I'm talking about. I've got a comfort called the Holy Ghost. 
Nothing like it. Nothing like it. The second thing he will do, he'll counsel you. Everybody say, he'll counsel me. John 16, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you to all truth. He's a counselor. You do not know what to do, so you start praying, and the Holy Spirit gives you direction. He can give you wisdom. He can give you discernment. I've done some live radio stuff here in Austin. One day I was on the radio for three solid hours. You know why I was on the radio for three solid hours? I'm going to compliment you all because we're one of the greatest multicultural churches in this whole city. That's why I was on the radio. Come on now, help me. Help me right now. And I'm glad to say that everybody in this house is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no bond, there's no free, there's no race in this house. We're all children of the King. Amen. And I got to talk about it. But we put headphones on, and the producer tells you 30 seconds before break, and then he comes back and gives you a countdown. Same way when I was on TBN. They allowed me to come and talk about my book, and the producer walks in front of you and counts down the seconds till the broadcast goes live. I've never been on live TV. Somebody said I did all right. I don't think I did. But 30 seconds before we're live again, okay, okay, we're ready. Sit up straight. Okay, when you, now smile, five, four, three, two, you're on. And in this whole process, this whole time, this voice was leading me through the process. So similar to the way God can work in our lives through the constant presence of His Spirit. He counsels us. The Holy Spirit says, oh, reach out to that person. Pray for that person. Make this decision. Don't say what you're about to say. That would not please God. Say this and do the right thing. It's a constant awareness of the Spirit of God guiding you. It's a Spirit-filled life. Because we're not walking by sight. We're walking by faith. This is one of the most beautiful scriptures perhaps you've never read. It's Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. It said, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Aren't you glad God still speaks to us? Come on now. Aren't you glad? The Holy Spirit will not only be your comfort, not only be your counselor, he'll convict you. John 16, when the Spirit comes. He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. There are some of you, you're being convicted right now of the Holy Spirit of God. You're being convicted. Don't do that. It's saying don't do that. Don't go there. And I hadn't even said anything, but the Holy Spirit's already convicting you because you're in the presence of the Lord. There are others that you're being drawn to God right now and you don't know why. Maybe you're not even a church person. Maybe you're not a Bible guy. Maybe you're just drawn to God right now. That's the Holy Spirit. The Bible said, how can a man be drawn except the Spirit draw him? Amen. So, Pastor Jay, what did God use to draw you toward him? I said every time it was the Holy Spirit. God used the Holy Ghost. He used the Spirit. Because there was no physical person witnessing to me. There was no physical person opening up the scripture, but there was a Holy Spirit convicting me of my wrong and my sins. And there are those of you here today, and you're under that conviction, and you're being drawn to God, and you don't know why. It's because the Holy Ghost is here, and you don't have a choice because you don't have a vote. You know, I close with this, and 
I've preached long enough. You either surrender to him or try to fight him off, but you can't fight him off forever. I was called to preach when I was 14 years old. I remember exactly where it was. I remember exactly the moment that I felt the Lord say, you're going to preach this gospel. And it was in the time that my brother was doing so great in God and so great. And I knew I was, I was probably going to be somebody to support him, his ministry, because I wasn't as spiritual as my brother. I wasn't where he was. I was more into ball. I was more into the things that I wanted to do athletically. But the Lord told me I would preach this gospel, and I, I pushed him away. I pushed him away. I said, no, no, I won't do that. And for six years, I ran. I ran. I didn't know I was running, but I ran. No, I didn't go into deep sins. Not about that. I just didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to do this because I can't tell you the number of times I've gone home embarrassed thinking, is that the best you can do, boy? And I wake up the next morning and say, man, nobody will be back to church next time because you did so bad today. But y'all don't realize that. Y'all keep showing up. <laughs> and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to know that God has allowed people to fill this church up, to come hear the gospel from a boy that never thought he could even testify. But that's the way God operates. That's how he works. He's not going to give up on you either. You hear me? He's not going to give up on you. My good friend Dan Dean wrote a song, He Doesn't Give Up Easy. You're forever on his mind. He don't give up easy because he's not the quitting kind. We got quitters that come to church and people that say, I can't do it anymore. But God never quits on us. He never quits on us. You hear me? He never quits on us. His spirit's still wooing and drawing. That's the joy of it. And at 20, I said yes. And I was a pitiful preacher. I couldn't find a text with a search warrant. But somehow, God used my heart. God used my spirit to reach people and to touch people. And for the first three years of my life, I never opened my eyes when I preached. Because I was afraid somebody might see me. And if I closed them, I'd be invisible. So I preached like this. Just might as well soon have been blind. Because I couldn't see anybody. And finally one day a preacher said, why don't you open your eyes and see what God's doing while you're preaching. But I'm here to tell you something. You listen to this pastor. He's not only a comfort, he's not only a counselor. He'll convict you. I want you to bow your heads with me. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.